Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hey guys, welcome back to the show uh, with me, Jacob and Tyler, my co-host along with me. Um, yep. We're going to get started with our week three recap as we wrap up a crazy week. Um, a week with a couple of big games and some unexpected, really close games. Um, so we're going to get started with the first one, and that's going to be Nebraska and Oklahoma, uh, or the old game of the century from the 1970s. So we're going yeah. to hop into that game first. Um, Tyler, let me get your takes on basically how the Oklahoma offense ran this game and how well they did or how well they really didn't do. Um, I mean, I really thought this game was not going to be as close as it was. Uh, but, you know, going back to your question, uh, Oklahoma offense uh, wasn't that very good. I mean, looking at the stats, Spencer Rattler only had a touchdown, 214 yards. Uh, as you look, uh, their top rusher was 84 yards, and their top receiver had 61 yards. So it was more of, of a defensive game, which was really surprising to me. It was two very talented quarterbacks with Adrian Martinez, and then Spencer Rattler, I thought between the two, uh, would have more than two touchdowns combined. But uh, Adrian Martinez in that offense uh, struggled as well against this Oklahoma Sooner defense. Uh, probably their best uh, defensive game uh, of the year so far. You know, going back to their home opener, that uh, we talked about this uh, previous two weeks uh, when they played Tulane. But just going back to this game, it was really the defensive battle in this one. I mean, going back uh, to that interception by Oklahoma is pretty much like Odell, but on the defensive side. But, yeah, like I said, uh, whenever I was recapping this one, I thought that Oklahoma was going to win this one big. I had them winning 45-17. It was not that high-scoring game that we usually see in the Big 12. I mean, Nebraska and Oklahoma have had games where elites goes to the 30s, but – Nonetheless, uh, Oklahoma survives another scare at home, but we'll just see how many scares they have left on their schedule. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm gonna, you know, with the follow follow up with the question I asked you, I think that uh, this game was not controlled very well. I don't think from uh, the offensive play calling from Oklahoma. Uh, I just think that Nebraska was just they saw what was coming. Um, you know, Oklahoma basically won off of just breakout plays a couple of breakout plays throughout the game yeah. um but all in all i think nebraska held them pretty well 
um, yeah. the best so far out of anybody this season. Um, you know, Oklahoma's not used to being held to a low-scoring game like this. I mean, this is low-scoring for them. Um, I think that's why we're calling it that. But uh, I knew Nebraska needed to put points up on the board. I mean, it only is a touchdown game. I mean, that's that's very close. And, and I do give props to Nebraska and Scott Frost right. team um, for keeping it close with Lincoln Riley and, and the Sooners. Um, and then I'll let you take uh, our, our next game on the schedule. Yeah, our next game uh, was a Big Ten opponent going against an independent uh, former ACC of their one-year appearance uh, during the COVID season. But uh, we go to the next matchup between Purdue, go on the road at number 12, Notre Dame. And uh, we saw this one. We both had our scores uh, in the 20s or 30s in this one, but we really thought this was going to be a close game. And it, and it was uh, between the Fire and Irish uh, and the Boilermakers defense uh like the Nebraska and Oklahoma game uh, was proven in this one. Uh, it was a really a, a balanced attack uh, from the Notre Dame offense. Jack Cohn, he had 223 yards with two touchdowns. And then Williams, uh, the running back for Notre Dame, had 91 yards and a touchdown. So it was a really balanced attack. Uh, I really thought uh, that, uh, you know, even after the two struggles in the first uh, two games, you know, between Toledo and then Florida State, this was probably uh, Notre Dame's uh, most complete game of the season. I mean, uh, Purdue was coming in this game undefeated as well, 2-0. and I just, I just didn't think that uh, Purdue uh, had the offense really to contend uh, with Notre Dame. Notre Dame was able to really shut down that Boilermaker uh, uh, offense, and uh, Notre Dame was able to pull away with this one uh, by two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that, that... – Purdue's offense is really young this year. Um, I, I know Jack Plummer, um, no relation to Jake Plummer, by the way, um, you know, really struggled, I think, uh, especially in a hostile environment in South Bend. Very difficult place to play. Um, I'd say top five in the country, difficult places to play, um, just because of the environment. Um, I, I know how crazy it can get there. Um, but I, I think Jack Jack Cohn really, really managed uh, this game well uh, for the Notre Dame offense. I think he's really taken over that general type, that field general type uh, aspect for for this team, and I think has really helped out, uh, you know, Brian Kelly and, and that offense. Um, so I, I look to see Notre Dame uh, use that as a big momentum game and, and get them back up into the top ten. I think this is a good a good rebound for them, especially after really close games the first two weeks. Um, as far as Purdue goes, I think that they'll stay middle of the road, kind of where they are. Um, you saw definitely some upsides from them in this game, but I think the defense is, is something to, to watch because they're going to have a lot more tougher opponents as we get down later in the season. Uh, I know they got Iowa on their schedule. They still have got... Ohio State on the schedule, Michigan. I mean, so, so you got big games, and, and I know right. that statistically they get burnt out every single season. So hopefully this season they, they can stick around a little longer. Yeah, Notre Dame, uh, you know, speaking of schedules, the next two weeks uh, they go uh, to Soldier Fear to, to face Wisconsin, and then the next week they play uh, a top-10 team in Cincinnati. So not an easy uh, next uh, two weeks for the Fire Niners. No, they, def- they definitely needed this win at home. I'm going to get them ready for the next two weeks. Uh, moving on to our next game on the schedule is the Out West matchup. A game that you and I were really kind of paying attention to. Uh, yep. and, I, and I really think this game 
set the tone for for the kind of football to be played for the rest of the season out west. And that's number 19, Arizona State went on the road to face uh, the ranked 23rd BYU Cougars in Provo, Utah. Um, this game final was BYU 27 and Arizona 17, Arizona State, I'm sorry, 17. Uh, this this game, I think, came down to the end, uh, really with with turnovers. A very sloppy game, um, but I think we're used to that out west. Um, watching enough football late at night, I somehow stayed awake for this game. I know last show I said I might not be awake for this game, <laughs> but my adrenaline was running so much from previous games that day that it, it just it all built up and I don't think I went to sleep until 2:30 a.m. So I, I wow. think <laughs> I think this this game I I got a pretty good watch of it laying in bed. Um so I do think that Arizona State needs offense to compete out west. There's just no offense there right now. Um and, and they're really struggling. I think they definitely have experienced coaching staff there. I, I don't think they're fully taking advantage of what that team has. Um, and then on the other side of the football, I think BYU has taken all of the advantages they can and have looked really well um, doing it. And, and I, th- and I think that they will progressively move up as well. They did move up the rankings. We'll talk about that a little later, uh, but I, I really expect them to, to move up and really be competitive with a lot of the teams. I really want to see them play Oregon out West. I, I want to see some bigger games on their schedule coming up. Yeah. I mean, going into this one, I thought this was going to be like a 45, like 35 type of game with, you know, these two talented offenses and two talented quarterbacks. Uh, you know, you got one freshman and BYU quarterback and then Jaden Daniels, more experienced veteran quarterback. But I mean, BYU honestly needs to just join the Pac-12 because this season they're now 3-0 against the Pac-12. You know, they beat Arizona, beat Utah, now Arizona State. So yeah, this is was another huge win uh, for BYU. And now, you know, they're just going to continue to climb and they people maybe who knows if they can run the table, how this offense has been playing, you know, the past couple of weeks that they might sneak into a, a new year six bowl game. But I think that Cincinnati right now has, unless they slip up, but, you know, just going back to this game, like you said, I mean, Arizona state, you know, they had a lot of expectations, you know, like I said, Jaden Daniels was a really experienced quarterback, just really no offensive identity in this game. You know, BRU's defense was was really shutting them down pretty much the whole game. I mean, I didn't watch it. I I went to bed like right after I was watching the Penn State game, so I didn't have enough adrenaline as you. So <laughs> I wasn't able to watch this game. But hopefully, I, I you know I can stay up uh, you know to watch one of these West Coast games, especially you know this BYU team that is really looking impressive uh, the first couple of weeks of the season. All right, let's get into the next game of the weekend featuring. The SEC game of the week uh, between number one, Alabama, at number 11, Florida. Alabama ended up winning this game 31-29. to 29. And if you were watching this game uh, on CBS, Alabama got off to a very hot start. It was, I think, 21-9 to going into a half. So, I mean, in your head, like Alabama fans think, oh, this is going to be another easy win. So we're really going to put 50 points up against Florida. But Florida showed that – they uh, have a really good team this year. I kind of had some doubts with Emory Jones uh, coming into this game, but honestly, uh, he really was 
this was probably one of his best games, even though he didn't have a touchdown uh, through the air. He had a couple on the ground. Uh, but uh, it was just too much of Alabama in the end. Bryce Young, uh, in that fast start, uh, really vaulted it into this one. I just think that uh, the really uh, controversial call that I had, uh, that Florida, you know, it was 31-29. Uh, Florida just scored touchdown, so they needed a two-point conversion to tie the game 31-31. And uh, Dan Mullen called a read option. Like, Emory Jones, like, held it pretty much all the way to the goal line. I just didn't like that play call running a read option against Alabama's uh, defensive front. They're uh, getting a grasp on what Florida was trying to do. I really thought that they could do, like, an RPO in that situation. If it doesn't have it, then Emory Jones can find a way into the end zone. But I just didn't really like that call at the play of time. But, yeah, you just got to give credit to Alabama. You know, they survived this road test. And uh, it, it was definitely closer than I expected, that's for sure. So you got to give credit, though, to Florida as well. I mean, uh, they're not going to uh, go away easy in the SEC East. I definitely think they can give Georgia a run for their money. So even though uh, Florida lost this one, don't count the Gators out in the SEC yeah, I think they're still alive very much in the SEC. Um, one thing to take away from this game, the main thing I think to take away from this game is that Florida football is back. Um, oh, yeah. I, I really think Florida football is back, and Dan Mullen has definitely brought that team back to the old team with Tim Tebow. And I feel like they run the watching these games, I feel like they run the same offense as they did back then. Uh, especially with Emory Jones, a quarterback that can run and get out of the pocket. Definitely what Tebow was known for, getting around, moving in that pocket. He just knew where he was the whole time. And I really think Emory Jones has has, uh, embraced that role in that Florida offense. I I, I see a lack of offensive weapons, though, on the outside for Florida. Very good running game, but, but lack of offensive weapons, I think, as far as wide receivers go. Uh, I know that you got Kyle Pitts who's gone in, at the tight end spot, so it's a big shoes to fill. Yeah. I get it. Uh, with with Alabama on the other side, I mean, they're always going to get good talent every year. We know it. We see it every year. One thing I think to take away on the Alabama side is that their defense really needs to to stay on their toes because if they if they keep this up and they're giving up twenty nine points to to Florida, uh, they're they're going to lose a game this year. They will lose a game. Mark my words. So I, I think they need to get it together, get a grasp on what they're doing, or they will get beat. Yeah, they, they definitely got to get together uh, because in two weeks they got an Ole Miss team, and we just saw what they did against Tulane put up 61 points, uh, 50 points at half. So that uh, Lane Kiffin offense is definitely going to give this Alabama defense uh, problems if they uh, really don't uh, get it together when they play Southern Miss this weekend. Yeah, they're firing all cylinders, and and I expect that to be a very hostile environment. Uh, moving from that and staying on the topic of hostile environments, oh, yeah. uh, moving to the night game on ABC was seven thirty kickoff game. Uh, it was twenty two Auburn on the road to face number ten Penn State in State College, Pennsylvania, at Beaver Stadium. The final of that game was Auburn twenty, Penn State twenty eight. Uh, Tyler, I want to get your thoughts first on this game. What was the main factor into Penn State holding on to get this win? Main factor uh, was one player, and that his name is Sean Clifford. Honestly, with I mean, he had one interception, but I mean that that interception 
was really coming at like a garbage time pretty much. Uh, but look at his stats. I mean, 28 for 32, 280 yards passing and two touchdowns. I mean, not much, uh, uh, you know, worse that you can do there. So I definitely got to give credit to, to Sean Clifford and that offense here. Uh, they found ways to score against this uh, Auburn defense. Uh, I know you talked about this uh, last week, how young they were, but I mean, it didn't even really phase them uh, all game. It felt like Auburn definitely had the talent to win this game, but uh, Penn State uh, just found ways uh, to score uh, when it mattered. But uh, the one uh, note I think going forward of Penn State uh, is uh, this rush defense. It was kind of kind of iffy, you know. Tank Bigsby had 102 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Tank Bigsby is one of the best uh, running backs in the SEC, if not only the whole country. So that's like the one thing that I noticed is just too many open holes uh, that really happened against uh, Penn State's defense. So they got to clean that up uh, going forward uh, if they want to win the Big Ten. But other than that, I mean, Penn State, this was a really complete uh, victory for them, probably their most complete uh, win outside of that first game against Wisconsin. But uh, going forward, um, Auburn was a young team going to a hostile environment. I said last week this was going to be 28-21. to 21. I was almost spot on with the score only one point <laughs> off. But, you know, uh, Penn State uh, survived another test. Uh, they're going to get many more along the way, you know, with Iowa, Ohio State, and Michigan on the schedule. We were looking at the Auburn schedule a couple of minutes ago. They have pretty much like LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss in consecutive weeks. So, it's not going to get any easier for that team as well. But like I, I said last week, whoever wins this one is definitely going to have uh, more light to the path, uh, you know, to maybe be in a college football playoff contender. And Penn State was able to, uh, to get the win here. Yeah, I think my main takeaway first with Auburn is the fact that you know, Bo Nix had a had a decent game. Um, I, I don't think Penn State took advantage of the turnovers that were available um, throughout that game, there were plenty of opportunities, missed opportunities on their part. Um, not so much on, you know, uh, as far as Auburn's defense converting turnovers, uh, really, really no opportunity for them throughout the game. The one interception was a heave at halftime, you know, for Clifford. Yeah. So, I, you know, you can't really focus on that very much. Yeah, that's what I was referencing, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and the same for Bo Nix at the end of the game. He's got to heave it to the end zone, even have a chance. So, I, I think. This game could have been over. I, I know we talked about this yesterday when you and I were talking. Uh, I think this game could have been over sooner had Penn State taken advantage of those opportunities. There were plenty there for the taking. Um, w- one thing that really both sides, I don't know if it was how good their offensive lines were throughout the game or how much the defensive line struggled throughout the game, but I, I noticed... And I even said to myself, I don't follow Auburn football very much. Um, but being in the South, I think we're, we're, we're exposed to it so much that I, I do kind of notice things that stick out. But I noticed that Auburn's front line on defense was struggling big time. And I went, that's weird. And then I thought to myself, I said, well, let me let me pay attention to Penn State's offensive line for a couple drives. Well, I'm watching their offensive line, and, and watching Penn State football, I, I, that's the best I've seen their offensive line look, was 
last night. Uh, I, it was exceptional, I think, and, and very mobile. That's the most mobile offensive line I've seen out of them. Uh, really resulted in the protection that, that Sean Clifford needed uh, to get rid of the football, and I think that really ultimately helped them uh, you know, stay out of the turnover category. Um, but but with that environment up there, it's it's very difficult to play. If Auburn was going to come out on top in that game, um, it would have taken a lot, a lot of extra effort from Auburn. Uh, but I, I am I am happy to see a close game like that. Um, and and I and I do think that Auburn can take away some some uh, things back to SEC football and back to conference play soon uh, with with that close game. But uh, I'll let you take our All right. little, uh, you know, records yeah. as far as the week goes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll go into our pick em results uh, going through uh, the top five games that we picked uh, from the week three slate. So starting with the first one, I'll go through the scores, as, our score predictions as well. Uh, Nebraska at number three, Oklahoma. We both said that Oklahoma was going to win this one pretty convincingly. You had them winning 31-7, on my end. So, I mean, we were pretty off on that one. Purdue at number 12, Notre Dame. We both had Notre Dame winning this one. You had them winning 31-27. I had them winning 28-21. Number 19, Arizona State at number 23, BYU. We, we had the Cougars winning this one. You had them winning 48-35. Yikes. Oh, man. There was no uh, – <laughs> see, I mean, there, our expectations were that this was going to be a high-scoring shootout and to take the over, but that was not the case. I had them winning 35-31. to 31. Number one, Alabama. Number 11, Florida. We both had Alabama win this one. You had them winning 45-21. I had them winning 38-21. to So, so far, our score predictions are pretty off. So, I mean, if you want a score prediction, you know, <laughs> advice from us, please don't take it from us. <laughs> I mean, number 22, Auburn at 10, Penn State. We both had Penn State winning this one. So, uh, you had them winning 28-14. You were right on Penn State, a little bit off on Auburn. Mm-hmm. This one, like, ticks me off the most of how close I was. 28 to 21. <laughs> like, come on, Auburn. Like, miss that PAT or something. <laughs> well, I guess that's what I get for picking a basic score all the time. Maybe I had to do, like, 19-14 next time. But in the end, we uh, you rebounded from your 1-4 uh, pretty – or, like, number one episode on Twitch, 1-4 to 5-0. and oh. And I rebound from three and two to five and zero. Oh, so un- going undefeated, both to both, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a good a good uh, good, a good spot feeling. to be. Good spot to be early on in the season. Yeah, I love uh, seeing all that green. Don't I don't like seeing all that red. Yeah, not I to brag want, this week. Both I want green mean go, not red. I don't want to stop. <laughs> and I'm still two games back. I hate to see it yeah. that you're still yeah, eight so and two on the season. And I'm, you're six and four, I believe. I'm eight and two, something around that region. Yeah, I think that's how it was. So yeah, so, so that's where the standings sit after week three, going into week four. Yeah. So uh, we're going to add another little segment in here, kind of as a a little spot here. And we're going to get into our our hot topics of the weekend. And I think we're going to start off with a really hot one early. Oh, yeah. It's going to be our early Heisman favorites of this year based on uh, our first three weeks that we have seen as we are now a hard to believe we are a quarter of a way through the season. (laughs) Going by fast. I mean, it always does. (laughs) Slow it down now. 
I want to enjoy you before it ends. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think my early Heisman favorite is going to come from the Big Ten, and it's going to be Peyton Thorne from the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, I think that he has kind of been a sleeper in the Heisman race. Nobody's kind of really paid attention to him. And even when the, when me and Tyler were talking about this, Tyler said, what? Peyton Thorne? So uh, I think I think he's a player to watch out for. I, I don't know if he's going to be on the radar by the end of the season. That's if Michigan State can keep it up. Uh, but definitely convincing win against Miami on the road. Uh, looked good with four touchdowns against them. So it's something to build on. And I think it's, you know, the first time we've seen Michigan State back since their playoff run early on in the college football playoff. Um, so I look to, to see this be, be a big motivational push, not only for him, but for the team as a whole. Yeah. Michigan state got a really impressive win on the road, 38, 17 against Miami. That's definitely going to be a team that I'm going to be watching, uh, in the big 10 could be a sleeper team that, you know, kind of sneaks up on you on the schedule and, you know, you have like Ohio state, Michigan, and then you have like Michigan state in the middle. It could be a trap game and it could be, could be, uh, the Sparties could pull off a couple upsets along the way, but. My early Heisman favorites, probably a lot of uh, experts, uh, Heisman favorites as well. That's going to be Matt Corral. I mean, that dude is probably throwing like five, six, seven touchdowns a game so far. <laughs> we'll see if that's going to continue. Uh, like I said, uh, Ole Miss is on the bye this week, and then off the bye, they have to face Alabama. So that will be Matt Corral's uh, first challenge uh, of the season. But it looks like uh, he's uh, cleaning up the turnover so far. We'll like I said, we'll see if that's going to continue as well. But I think that Ole Miss is probably going to be like a 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2 and two team going forward. So that sh- their record really shouldn't, uh, you know, phase into this Heisman voting. But right now, my early Heisman favorite definitely has to be Matt Corral, how he's been playing these past couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then now moving into our, our second hot topic here, and it's going to be our conference championship Ooh, game this prediction. This is where we can lose some followers uh, here yes. on out. So <laughs> we're going to pick our conference championship games, which is going to be the home team and the away team from each Power 5 conference. Just give you a little background. So right. uh, I will let Tyler go first, and we're going to start Ooh. off with the ACC. ACC. Well, it's easier on one division and hard in the other. The Atlantic, I mean, it's got to be number nine, Clemson. I mean, even though, yes, they struggled in their previous game against Georgia Tech. They only won that game 14-8. to But, I mean, they still have a very good quarterback. I mean, the Atlantic is not hard to win. I mean, you got Wake Forest, Boston College, Louisville, <laughs> NC State, Syracuse, and Florida State. Like, come on. That's got to be, like, the most easiest division. They need to, like, add some teams in the ACC or, like, move something. Like, I don't know. I'm just sick and tired of seeing Clemson just, like, walk, walking their way through cupcakes to the ACC title. But I still have, I'll go with Clemson Tigers and the Coastal uh, even though that UNC uh, lost to Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech lost this past week against West Virginia, I, I think they're going to fall off the radar eventually. So I'm, I'm still going to roll with my preseason favorite in the Coastal. I'll roll with the Tar Heels of UNC. So I have Clemson versus North Carolina in the ACC Championship. All right. Yeah, well, two teams that definitely uh, showed us their true colors early on in the season. Hopefully they'll get a little bounce back. 
uh, as far as my teams go in the ACC in the Atlantic, uh, I'm not going to go with Clemson. I think that there's another team that looks really good the start of the season. And I think by the end of the season, when they do play against Clemson, I think they're going to have a lot of momentum. And I think that Clemson might be burnt out by the end of the season. Um, So I'm actually going to go with the team that is leading the current Atlantic standings. And that is Wake Forest. You're not going to do. Wow. I know that you hate on Wake Forest and I know (laughs) that you're love Clemson in the Atlantic, but I'm going to go with Wake Forest. They look really good to start the season. I mean, 118 points for this season and only 40 points against. You're talking about big win margins to start the season. Definitely some confidence boosting wins. To, to start the season and then as far as the coastal division goes uh, a team that is kind of sitting low a little bit right now but a team that usually makes an end of the season push and I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers uh, from Pittsburgh and, and I think that that team definitely has the coaching experience the quarterback uh, experience to go far in the ACC I know that they have lost some close games over the last couple of years. So I hope that this is a bounce back for them and that uh, they're able to fill that spot there in the coastal division. Wow. <laughs> yes. That is a very bold ACC championship, especially you know Pittsburgh. They just lost to Western Michigan 44 to 43. But I mean, yeah, if you want to go with the Panthers, so be it. <laughs> that's That's you. And now moving on to our next conference after a touchy first conference there. That, oh, that, yeah. That's going to get on your nerves, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see it. That's like a matchup that you you never see in the right. ACC football. Like Pittsburgh versus Wake Forest. <laughs> it's one of those you, seasons that I think this could happen. If that actually happens, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You should have to shave your eyebrow. I'll get a tattoo of Wake Forest if they make the damn ACC championship. You think is are you really going to do that? This is on the record. Tyler will get my a tattoo. Me, so I might have to do something else. We'll, we'll do. We'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. All right, and, going on to the next one is the Big Twelve Conference. Uh, there's no divisions in this one, so it's it's different from the other conferences. But the top two. Uh, advance to the Big 12 championship, which is always played in Arl- in Arlington, Texas, and Jerry World. And this is a this is a very interesting conference. I think this is probably the most wide open conference in all of college football. Because I mean, I was high on Iowa State. They're down there with Texas, West Virginia. We're not even going to talk about Kansas. Kansas is not even going to be there. Probably in basketball when it comes to that time, but they're not going to be here for football. I don't even think they should be um, in football. I'm I'm still going to go with Oklahoma. I think they're still going to get there uh, in the Big Twelve uh, in the Big Twelve championship game. Um, but I do think that I think it's going to be still Iowa State and Oklahoma. I'm still going to roll with them. Uh, both of these teams uh, have yet to go into uh, the Big Twelve uh, play when you know their offenses can find a groove because they really don't play defense in the Big Twelve. It's like 45, 41, pretty much. Every game, but I definitely think that Oklahoma and Iowa State. Iowa State has got a tough one on the road uh, this week against the Baylor Bears. I think that's a team that can be a, a sneaky 
uh, path into the Big 12 championship. But I'm still going to roll the favorites and go Oklahoma and Iowa State. Yeah, so I'm going to roll with Oklahoma also. I just don't think that they can be stopped. Uh, to get to the Big 12 championship. I I don't think they make it to the college football playoff. Shh, don't say anything. Um, I didn't say that. Don't get to that yet. (laughs) Yeah, but um, my insight too early. Um, But I think the other team, I think the team that you said that's a sneaky pick is definitely going to be my team to play against them in the Big 12 championship, and that is Baylor. Um, I think the Baylor Bears... Definitely, even though they've had a change with Matt Rule being gone now, uh, I think that they're still an explosive team. I think that Iowa State has some tough games ahead. I mean, you still got to play Baylor, and they still have to play You know, Kansas State. Those are big right. games. Uh, even Texas is a big game. I mean, you're, you're talking about some, some tough games uh, for everybody in this, in this conference. So it, there's really no easy path for any team. To get there, even Oklahoma so wide open. Yeah, even Oklahoma. Oklahoma has tough games coming up. I know that. I think everyone in the conference, except for Kansas, still has a shot. Yes, and that leaves you with let's see, three, six, nine teams. (laughs) Nine teams to battle it out for two spots. It's not the Big Twelve; it's the Big Ten, but it can't be named that. Correct. Yeah, naming rights, of course. Yes. And speaking of the Big Ten, should we go on to them? Yeah, I think we should move on to the Big Ten. All right, let's move on to some Big Ten action. Now, this is honestly like the best football conference. Honestly, it might be like getting near the SEC. It's not the ACC where it's Clemson and someone else. This is like both divisions. Hold on, can I I get that on the record? Huh? Can I get that on the record? Yeah, sure, if you want to. If you want to like clip it in Twitch, can, go can for I, it. Can I can I clip that with the comment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, clip it. All right, I'll I'll start in the West. I think the West is is easier to pick than the East. It's going to be Iowa in the West. I think it's going to come down between Iowa and Wisconsin. Pretty much everyone else is just going to be playing in a bowl game. I just think uh, Iowa and Wisconsin. I think whoever wins that game, whenever uh, both of those teams uh, face off, will eventually. Uh, win the West, and I think it's going to be Iowa. I've been really impressed with Iowa. they got one of the best defenses. Uh, there's a lot of good defenses in the Big Ten now, I really think about it. You know, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin are probably the top three. But uh, I have Iowa winning the West, so they'll uh, be representing the West. The East, holy moly, this is going to be tough. Because, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think it's going to come down to, honestly, a four-team race, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. But right now, honestly, I got to go with Penn State, the way they've been playing. I think they have, uh, except for, you know, Georgia having that Clemson win, I think they have the best two wins on the resume of Auburn and Wisconsin. I think whenever the college football playoff rankings, uh, the playoff committee is really going to like that. And especially if they beat Iowa uh, in a couple of weeks, they could have the best resume in all of college football. I think uh, eventually this four-team race, I think it's going to be Penn State. I don't think it's going to be Ohio State. I think it's going to be Michigan. I think Penn State and Michigan are going to be the top two teams in the East. I just The way uh, Ohio State's been playing uh, the past couple of weeks have kind of question marks about them. I can't believe I'm saying this. I have more faith in Michigan State than Ohio State right now. But right now, I would go with Penn State and Iowa in the Big Ten Championship, so a rematch. Yes. We're going to have a big rematch. Uh, 
I'm going to go along the same lines with you. I think I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly. I think finally this yeah, uh, I think the Big Ten is is going to be the silver lining in college football this season. Um, I I think in the West, obviously, Iowa will come out on top. There's really no one to compete with them there. Um, I thought Wisconsin, you know, before the season started, I thought that maybe they would give them a little push. But after watching them the start to the season, they, they're really struggling to start this year. So I uh, I expect uh, Iowa to, to win in the West. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would. Um, if I had money. But um, that's a totally different topic. But... <laughs> But in the East, uh, I it does come down to two teams. I think it's Michigan State and Penn State, um, two teams that are on the rise in the Big Ten and definitely have uh, very good pasts in the uh, Big Ten East. So I do think that Penn State will uh, prevail and will win the East. I think Ohio State, like you said, has some definite question marks, and I don't know if that's on-field question marks or it's off-field question marks. Um, I, I don't know, and I don't think anybody will know. I think that's something that has to be in, uh, discovered internally within their organization. So, and it might be it might be coaching stuff. So, so I think Ryan Day has ultimately the the ability and, and definitely uh, is good enough to make those decisions within that organization. And I think that that athletic director staff trusts him enough. Um, as far as Michigan goes. I don't think Michigan will make a push as a as a three loss team. I expect them to be a three loss team at the end of the season. Uh, just some tough games for them, and and I don't think they've fully found their identity yet. I know that Harbaugh has you know explained in press conferences that we'll get them by the air and by the ground, and I just I don't I don't know if it's too early to to say that stuff. I mean, <laughs> you're going on the record saying that stuff and. You, you, buddy, have some tough games on your schedule. You haven't even gotten into the meat and potatoes yet. So, um, and then as far as a, a sleeper team in the Big Ten East, I think it's Rutgers. Rutgers looked Rutgers. strong this season, put up 63 points early in the season. Um, you're talking about a team that uh, really nobody has ever seen. <laughs> it is the birthplace of college football, but uh, generally are on nobody's radar nor on the map. They are ghosts. So um, they're they're the Kansas of the Big Ten, I think. And that's but, why I can't pick them. <laughs> I no, I would never pick them to to make it to the Big Ten championship because if they did, I would just have to check my temperature and make sure I'm still alive. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I I think it's going to be Penn State and, and Iowa in this one, and it's going to be a shootout uh, to win the Big Ten. All right, let's go on to the next conference, the Pac-12. Uh, think uh, the North and the South, man. I think this is going to be a conference of who who the heck knows is going to make the the championship. I think it's it's pretty easy in in the North. It's going to be Oregon. Really impressed me with that uh, road win. Uh, against Ohio State. Um, let's see. Let's look at the schedule. They still have UCLA, Stanford. Uh, so they still have some tough games. But I, I think that Oregon is going to go undefeated, and they're going to uh, ultimately uh, make it into the college football playoff. So that's my early prediction of that. Hopefully, <laughs> Oregon. So Oregon, don't don't let me down. 
I think, you know, the Pac-12, it's been a couple of years since they made it, so Oregon's going to be motivated uh, to make it. So I have Oregon in the north. and the south, I think it's pretty much going to be a two-team race between USC and UCLA. In my preseason, I had Arizona State. But uh, Arizona State's offense uh, really hasn't shown up yet. Uh, if that changes, uh, then I'll change my pick as we go. But right now, I'm going to go with UCLA. I know they just lost to Fresno State, but Fresno State – it's got a really good football team, really good uh, football coach as well. Their nitty-gritty team got a really good uh, offensive scheme there. But I think that UCLA is going to get done. Uh, USC uh, just fired their head coach uh, just last week. So I think uh, they're not really going to have it the rest of the season to win the South. So give me UCLA versus Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, um, I- I'm going to agree with you on this one also in the Pac-12 I, 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 yeah, we are, uh, what, two for one right now? Pretty um, much. Two and one in, in the projections. But, um, I, I think in the, in the North, it's definitely going to be Oregon. I, I think they might be a one loss team this year. Um, they might slip up one time, I think, but nobody is going to go undefeated, I think, in the back 12. Um, and I expect on the other side UCLA to come out. I would say uh, USC, but it, it's it's a problem over there right now. I think they're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out who the heck they are. Um, and, and definitely a tough a tough game that they played to, to fire their their head coach Clay Helton. Um, but I think it was just a matter of time before something like that did happen. So. I'm going to go with, with UCLA. Also, I'm not going to talk too long about this, so uh, yeah, we can well, move right on. Move right on to the SEC, and I'll let you go first. In the SEC. Now, the SEC is a little uh, little interesting this year. I, I, I'm going to start with the West before the East. Uh, I believe Alabama does win the West. I think we'll see them in the SEC championship once again, um, and I think we will see them in the college football playoff ultimately, unless they do slip up and they do lose a game or two. I think it's been a very long time since we have seen Alabama lose two games. Tyler, do you know off the top of your head the last time they lost two games in a season? Uh, two years ago, in 2019. Two. See? They well, lost LSU and lost to Auburn. You're right. It wasn't that long um, ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Well, before <laughs> that, then it, then it was a long time ago. If we were uh, probably, uh, I don't even know. It's been I like even first year when you lost to ULM. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to go back that far, Jesus. Uh, I honestly think it was that maybe I don't know. <laughs> that's, then, a, that's a topic offhand whenever we have more time to research. <laughs> <laughs> so the West, I think it's going to be Alabama. As far as the East goes, uh, it really comes down to two teams. I think if we're really going to get close to it. Um, Georgia, I think, is the front runner to win it, where we could see another rematch of an SEC championship, which is more likely, I would say around 95% likely. The other unlikely circumstances that Florida gets a bounce back win somehow and they make a reappearance against hmm. Alabama, which I think would be a fantastic game. Uh, another you know, late late season matchup between Alabama and Florida. But I do think it's it's going to be about between one and two in in the SEC, so uh, give me uh, Alabama and Georgia. I would have to agree if you. Uh, in the West, it's got to be Alabama for me. I think Alabama is going to get uh, tested along the way. 
probably what I'm seeing as a three teams below them. I think Ole Miss and A&M is probably the only two teams I see. I mean, A&M's got the defense uh, to contend with Alabama. Ole Miss has got the offense. I mean, you can even um, throw Arkansas in there as well, the way that they've been playing. Uh, so in the East, I got to go with Georgia as well. But after uh, what Florida showed me against Alabama, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Florida – uh, beat Georgia and Jacksonville, but right now I'm going to go with Georgia. So I have Georgia and Alabama with a bull prediction. It doesn't matter uh, because uh, both Georgia and Alabama is going to be undefeated. I think both still make the playoff. Yeah, um, definitely. It's pretty obvious in the SEC, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Moving on to our next topic, we're going to get kind of into a mess. A mess. Uh, so be it in, in in college football as far as uh, yesterday went. Um, sorry, I'm having trouble with <laughs> some connection issues. It is a mess currently. Um, but... Uh, no, I think we're going to get into the mess with Memphis and Mississippi State, um, where where it really came down to what in the world uh, was the officiating crew doing at the time. I think they were asleep, <laughs> taking a little night night nap. Uh, oh yeah, some Z's over their heads, and uh, late in this game. Um, but it, it all comes down to a punt for. Mississippi State, with five minutes to go, that is punted down to around, I believe, the 10-yard line. I'm trying to rejog my memory here. Um, here. And the ball was downed by the Mississippi State punting special teams. Sorry, no, right, his knee teams. was down. <laughs> yeah, which, which his knee was down, definitely. On replay, yeah. it was definitely uh, pretty obvious. But the ball was the whistle wasn't blown which was interesting yeah and memphis picked up the ball and ran it all the way for a 90 yard touchdown um i i i can't say i fault memphis because you know coaches preach and i i'll preach that play until the whistle um especially on special teams so play until the whistle. Take all of the advantage you can get. I mean, there's there's opportunities there. I mean, those officials are as human as as you and I. So uh, I I say play in, until the whistle is blown, and they they did exactly that. Um, nothing wrong with that, I don't think. And it's just it's a mishap by the the officiating crew, and I think that they uh, they understood what happened after the fact, and they came out with a joint statement um, basically explaining that that there was um, a mishap there, but, you know, the call on the field is what it's going to be, um, and I think that that needs to be stuck by. But uh, in, in somehow later on, they also had the same statement. They said that there were two players with the number four on the field at the same time for Memphis, um, which is – a penalty, obviously, for having two people on, on you know, the same team with the same number on the field at the same time. But for those people that don't know 
the details as far as college football goes with players with the same number. Um, Tyler, I'll kind of let you explain as far as players with the same number on, on the same team, on the, on the field at the same time, or you know, that they shouldn't be. Oh, <laughs> well, you're probably going to have to take this one because I, I don't really know much about this rule as well. <laughs> well, so as far as the rule goes, you can have two players with the same number. They just can't be on the field at the same time. So you can definitely have a guy on defense wearing the number four, but as long as the guy on offense who is a wide receiver or a running back or whatever is not on the field at the same time as your linebacker or your safety or what, you know, whoever it is on defense. So I think it, it's a special teams mishap. Um, they might've been filling in for somebody and didn't realize it. Um, it definitely does happen. I don't think Memphis was trying to take advantage of the rule. No. By any means, I think it's just a mishap. Um, wild football game, a wild football game. So, so I I can see why things like that that happen and and how they do happen. Yeah, very very crazy game. <laughs> a lot of Mississippi State fans I know are were very very mad at this uh, controversial call. But I mean, <laughs> you. I just want to know, like. Even if they call this, you know, if down, does uh, Mississippi State win this game or does Memphis, you know, still find a way to uh, win this one? Because both of these offenses were just going at, at it because at this at the time, this one, uh, Mississippi State, I believe, was up 21-17 at the time. And then Memphis sure. took this one back and they went up 24-21. But I know it was a controversial call, but Mississippi State uh, still had the opportunity to tie this football mm-hmm. game up, you know, they scored a touchdown late in the game and they failed a two point conversion. So I know Mississippi state fans uh, are mad with this controversial call, but they, they still had uh, all the chances to win this ball game. Definitely. And I know a lot of Mississippi state fans that, that need to visit confession um, <laughs> sometime this week, you know who you are. Um, I, I think that they definitely had some opportunities and they got too caught up in the moment. I think, so uh, it definitely uh, props to Memphis for for you know staying with it and, and you know being resilient. I mean, just didn't give up at all and pushed all the way through um, as much as you can play. And you got to play until the end of the game. Nobody's there to pout. It's it's football. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a big boy game. You know, it's it's not you know uh, for little Timmy's. You know. <laughs> You know that that weighed 105 pounds, so <laughs> you gotta you gotta be a man. I mean, shoot, Mississippi State plays in the SEC, but they they're whining mm-hmm. like they play in you know uh, D2 football. So um, it's mm-hmm. Memphis isn't a bad team in the American, by the way. Um, definitely a good no. team and a team that, uh, matter of fact, last year or well two years ago, yep. you know, really made a push. Um, in the conference and looked really good. Um, and I think that's going to get into our next topic here. Um, probably the most controversial topic of yep. the, uh, I would have to agree segment. Um, and that's going to be, uh, our, our picks for, uh, what is the best college football town in America? Tyler, mm-hmm. take it away. 
Oh, I knew you were going to put me on the spotlight first. Now, I really don't have any credibility because I've only visited three college football towns. And, I mean, you could be, you know, scatter amongst yourself this, or even, like, any notable college football towns. I've only been to Baton Rouge, LSU, you know, called a game, Tiger Stadium, Starkville, Mississippi. And then, oh, I don't even, Mobile, Alabama to catch a South Alabama football game. So that's like the only three football towns I've been in. So, I mean, I'm, but the best college football town, I'm going to go to back uh, to Big Ten country. I'm going to give it to Madison, Wisconsin. I definitely think that they're the best college football town. They got some really uh, loyal fans there, you know, with, I think uh, Camp Randall is a very nice stadium along with a, with a very nice town in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, I don't, like I said, don't have any credibility. I've never been there. I'm just looking through, like, I've seen, like, multiple articles that have uh, Madison, Wisconsin top five. I've seen pictures of it, you know, Camp Randall and their jump around. Uh, so, yeah, I got to give it to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, even though I don't really have, uh, like, any logical facts to say, but... Real like Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, my my argument for Madison, Wisconsin, is that there's nothing else to do in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing else to do we except done, watch like, the top five, not the best. <laughs> this is just putting me on the spot here. There's like yeah. so many bests I well, can put. Here, like... No, no, I I understand, but I I'm telling you, you know, my reasoning for why I think that Wisconsin football is. You know, I think that's so, why they're so passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, it's so because sought after. You do on a Saturday is go to a Wisconsin football game and jump around. There's nothing else to do. I mean, <laughs> it's just a boring town. I mean, it's a beautiful town that sits, you know, yep. out there on, on the lake, but it's boring. No, oh, I know. So, I've been to boring college football towns. Did you see my list? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we're not the most exciting list of all time. Yeah, give your list first before like you do it too. Yeah, right? so visit it because I'm sure it's got to be more lengthy than my like three that I've been to. I, I mean, we've take me to some football games. Yeah, I've been to a few football games. Um, I've bounced around some college football stadiums, but not too many. Um, yes, I've also been to South Alabama as well. Um, being on the coast, so um, yeah. That that stadium is a new stadium, uh, definitely a lot better well, than the old the stadium. Old one, so. the, oh my god, <laughs> nightmare! Jesus, well, man, that's a, that's that's a nightmare on Elm Street right there. I'm that sure is... a lot of people can relate to that stadium. Ooh, holy even, smokes! Even For whenever, people... even whenever some of the college athletes that went to the Senior Bowl probably thought, like, why did I even accept this invite? <laughs> so where in the world are we? <laughs> they ask people, are, sure you, are you sure you dropped us off at the right place? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think everybody can relate that's listening to the show. I think everybody can relate if to going to a football game, whether it's a high school game, college game, or an NFL game, you know the stadiums that you have to wear a bulletproof vest to just to get to the stadium. <laughs> this right. that is that is Man, one of boom. them. But uh, I've been to to that one. Um, I I uh, have been to Baton Rouge as well. Um, I've caught a a uh, Baton Rouge LSU football game. A couple of them, a couple of big games. Uh, not as big as I think some of the games that you've seen. Um, right. And then I, I I've also been to Penn State um, as well. Something that 
uh, I think everybody should go see. I have been to a Penn State whiteout, which is the game that we just talked about between Auburn and Penn State that happened this weekend. Um, I think that is a environment that everybody should see. Well, this is not the best environment. This is the best town. We can do that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I, I think theirs is is uh, definitely a game a game to go see and. Uh, yeah, I think the best college football town in America. Um, man, this is a tough one. Uh, I know Wisconsin's up there, man, but shoot, sure. this is tough. And, and I have to say that in the whole town is surrounded around college football. That's why it's so tough. Right. Um, it, it revolves around it. Uh, That's why I pick Madison because everything revolves. Everything around, evolves like around every that. Saturday in, in the fall. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna kind of go with the sleeper team. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one, but I'm gonna go to the SEC, Ooh. and it's not a big SEC team. I think I know what you're leaning towards. I think I'm gonna go towards Tennessee and the Volunteers. Uh, where do you think I was going with I that? I thought you were going to say like Ole Miss for a second. No, no, I can't. I can't get along with the preppy at at, at Ole no. Miss. It's not <laughs> not my speed, man. Not my speed. Right. But no, I think handle uh, the groove. No, I think Tennessee the Volunteers. I think they got something there that's special. Um, definitely that everybody is a part of, and a lot of history with that program. So uh, I have to go with them, and it's really a toss-up. And everybody has their own, you know, picks. Uh, just personally, if we were going off of, you know, college football itself, off of stadiums, that's a completely different story. We can that will be the next hot topic. I that'll, that'll be a hot topic. We need to do week. like the top five college football stadiums. We'll do that next week. I yes, promise. Definitely, that'll be a hot topic. That'll be our main hot topic next week. Absolutely. Um, and then our, our our last hot topic we're gonna before we get to the last one I'm gonna I'm gonna you know we're on Twitch I'm gonna ask our viewers the same thing What do you think is the best college football town So I'll open that up to our viewers So we'll go on to the next one now And and on to our our final hot topic on here is who is this is for me and Tyler um, and definitely mm-hmm. anybody else can can give their suggestions as well But. Who is your most surprising team of the season so far as we are 25% through the season? Hmm. Yeah, we're only a, a quarter away and we're already getting most surprising team. I, I definitely think this is a good question, but I'm, I'm going to go to the SEC. I, I got to go Arkansas. The way hmm. that the, the way that they played against Texas, you know, they got they got a hard schedule coming up. We know we talked about Auburn with their hard one, but I'll just give you their next four games. So this weekend they play Texas A&M, then they play Georgia, then they play Ole Miss, and then they play Auburn. Doesn't get any easy. Honestly, if they go like two and two during that, then that is definitely a huge stepping stone for this Arkansas program. I just didn't think that – this was going to be their first year that they got a sniff of the AP Top 25 pull. I thought that next year, looking to next year in their roster, how it's going to set up in their recruiting class, how that's setting up as well. But right now where they sit at number 16, I definitely think that's definitely going to help even more, you know, get in a win against Texas because we, we know that Texas is eventually going to come uh, into the SEC along with Oklahoma. So 
I definitely think that right now Arkansas is the most surprising team of the season because uh, in the preseason I had them going like six and six, but I definitely think they can beat that. Maybe go like eight and four, nine and three. Like I said, they have that uh, four game stretch coming up in these next four weeks. If they can go two and two, I definitely think that can be a goal of theirs. Yeah, uh, you know, and for me, I'm going to stay in the SEC. I think one of the most surprising teams for me this year uh, is the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, I I think that they uh, had a great start to the season, and, and I think that they'll they'll continue that. I know they've got some tough games back to back the next two weeks uh, on the road in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Come back home and play number sixteen Arkansas, uh, Tennessee on the road, LSU back home, Auburn on the road. Um, it, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, it's that's a tough stretch. But I think that they are uh, a team that so far this season I have been really uh, surprised and very happy with that they are a contender in the SEC once again so far and given some teams a run for their money uh, and putting some teams like uh, Nick Saban's team uh, on on the watch here as we get uh, into next week. All right, now let's continue uh, going forward to this next week. We're going to go into our big movers of the week. We have uh, two teams uh, that we noticed in AP pool that really made a huge jump and uh, could contend uh, for a conference championship. So uh, take it away with your team, that team that we talked about a lot in this show and in last week's show as well. Yeah, yeah, a team a team that I'm high on uh... – and that's uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions uh, moving up from the 10th-ranked team in the country to the number 6 team in the country, getting oh-so-close to a college football playoff spot early in the season, Mm -hmm. definitely with a couple of tests coming up here as we move into the next uh, week or so. Uh, But a team that, man, I I don't think a lot of people saw this young young team, uh, with the exception of quarterback play, really making it a difference this early in the season. Uh, so I think that that's a team that is to watch out for if they do keep it up and they do get a big win in Columbus against Ohio State somehow. Uh, I think that they are definitely a, a drop-in pick there for the third or fourth spot in the college football playoff. And I'm going to give the group of five some love. I'm, I'm going to go with my big move of the week, the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, last week they were unranked this week. They moved up to number 22 after upsetting uh, number 13 UCLA 40 to 37 in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Fresno State honestly uh, was a touchdown drive away from beating uh, the you know top three rank of the Oregon Ducks uh, in the season opener. I think looking at Fresno State's schedule, I definitely think they have the talent and the offense uh, to run the table in the Mountain West and eventually uh, win that conference championship. I think they have all the pieces to go 11 and one and could eventually uh, slide into the top 15 in the AP poll, maybe contend, you know, along the likes of Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, uh, you know, to eventually uh, obtain that uh, group of five spot in the New Year six. So Fresno State uh, is definitely, you know, one of those teams uh, that not really many people are talking about, but as the season goes on, I think a lot of people will know who Fresno State is. Definitely. And now we're going to look ahead to our week four teams and games to watch. And we're going to get it started off with a really uh, close team, uh, you know, very teams that are closely compared, I think. Uh, 
and definitely some teams that that with this win could move up or down mm-hmm. uh, the college football rankings uh, as we get into the mid midseason uh, matchups. And that's going to be number 12. Notre Dame is going on the road to face number 18, Wisconsin in Camp Randall. I know that you had mentioned about that hostile environment there at Camp Randall uh, and Notre Dame coming in with some very close squeaked out wins. Uh, This game is going to be all about who can put offense on the board. Both good defensive teams, but is anybody going to score a touchdown in the first half of this football game? Because my gut and my money tells me that it is going to be a three to seven game at halftime. And, Honestly, I was thinking all along the same lines. And I'm just like, there ain't no way anybody's going to put any points up, up on this board because it's been abysmal for both teams this season to put points on the board. It's going to be a struggle. And it's going to be like two guys that weigh 350 pounds pulling on a rope at the same time. And just who's going to get the most leverage? It's, it's, that's what it's like. It really is. And and I think in the end of this game that Wisconsin will win this football game. I think that being at home is a big, uh, Motivation actually, for them. This is game is actually at Soldier Field, home of the Chicago Bears. Well, it's a close enough home game. <laughs> well, it's a neutral site. Well, no, yeah, that's it's, a, a, it's a neutral site. It's kind of like in between the two. More actually, Notre, Notre, Notre Dame fans probably in Chicago more than Wisconsin. Yeah, Notre Dame actually has a shorter drive geographically oh, yeah. than than right. than Wisconsin does. Uh, but no, I, I do think that Wisconsin will win this football game. I, I just see them being the better. Uh, team on defense uh, in this one, and I, I do think that they will get the stops they need to get to win this game. It'll be a very close game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to give this game a 24-21 final, Wisconsin. Hmm. Honestly, this is like Wisconsin versus Wisconsin because Notre Dame actually has former Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn. So Jack Cohn yes. versus Alex Hornibrook. So this is like Wisconsin's A team versus Wisconsin's B team, pretty much. Uh, but it, like you said, uh, this is this is probably not going to be a lot of offense. Uh, going back to Wisconsin's first game, you know they lost ten to sixteen. So I think honestly, think it's pretty much going to be along the same lines in that one. I definitely agree. It's going to be like a seven to three. Hopefully, it's not another zero zero game going into half. That was just that was just awful watching that game. I, I almost fell asleep watching that. But hope, good thing that you know a point was put on the board. But uh, Notre Dame Wisconsin is going to be a defensive battle. I think offenses uh, will find the end zone one, two, three, four times if they're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, I have Wisconsin win this one 19 to 14. I got to go for wacky score. Might as well. Might as well early on in the season. And then uh, now we're going to get into the next game on the schedule. That's going to be number seven, Texas A&M Aggies going on the road to play a very hot team that is making the SEC turnover and rollover in its grave. And that's number 16, Arkansas. Uh, I know that you are high on this Arkansas team. Uh, early on in the season here. So uh, uh, let's get your predictions first for this one. Yeah, this is this is where Arkansas and A&M's schedule really ramps up with SEC play. Uh, this is in Jerry's world. This is uh, an annual neutral site game. 
Uh, Texas A&M has had Arkansas's number these past couple of years. Arkansas, you know, going into this game, they play A&M really close when they really shouldn't. You know, Arkansas the past couple of years hasn't really been a good football team, but they've shown uh, this year that they can really contend, you know, getting that big win against Texas. But the question is, can they do it again against uh, a top 10 opponent in Texas A&M? I think uh, the defenses in this game are really underrated. I think A&M is a top five defense. Arkansas is probably top 10, top 15 defense. Uh, A&M, last uh, game that they played against New Mexico, they scored 34 points uh, with their new quarterback, uh, with their starting quarterback uh, getting injured in that Colorado game, being out for several weeks. So I think that this could be a defensive battle, but I think that the offense is – uh, we'll score more. I mean, it's going to be a high, more high scoring game uh, than Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I think it could get up to the twenties, uh, maybe even the thirties if it gets that way. But I think this is uh when Arkansas finally uh you know gets this win against Texas A and M. Like I said, Texas A and M has really controlled this rivalry the past couple of years. A&M's got all the defense, but I just don't know if they have the offense, you know, to really keep up with Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson um, has really uh, not only surprised me, but really impressed me these past couple of three weeks. I'm going to go with Arkansas. This is going to be a really nail-biter coming down to the final possession. But I have Arkansas winning this game 27-24 to against Texas A&M. Yeah, really close game I have for him also. Uh, you know, this game is a five-and-a-half-point favorite for Texas A&M as they're playing on the road. Uh, I I don't know. Um, well, I mean, on the road, both teams are going to be on the road. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know if Texas A&M will squeak this one out. Uh, I, everything just draws me back to that, that matchup against Colorado in Denver. So, I... I think that, yes, again, this is the win that Arkansas gets, and I think it's the one that uh, is is all them. And, and I don't think it's going to be a really convincing win. It's going to be a close game. Uh, but I think that Arkansas, in the end, will get a, a late fourth fourth quarter push. And uh, I, I'm going to have this game go 21-17 uh, Arkansas in this one. Okay, so both rolling with the Hawks. All right, let's go on to the next game, uh, which features the Big Ten matchup of the week between undefeated Rutgers, undefeated Michigan. This is in the big house. Uh, honestly, I haven't really uh, been keeping an eye on Rutgers, but I've heard that uh, they're definitely uh, something to be reckoned with. That offense is very legit. I think uh, they're really uh, going to give Michigan a run for their money, but in the end, Michigan's defense uh, will really stifle uh, that Rutgers attack. I think Rutgers is going to keep it close going into the halftime. But that's uh, when uh, Michigan will get that running game going. I think uh, Michigan's running game will just wear out uh, Rutgers defense. I think this is going to be probably like a like 21-17 going into the half. And then offenses will probably struggle in the second half. But in the end, I think Michigan – will win this one. I'll say 28 to 24 Michigan wins. Yeah, as far as this game goes, uh, I 
I don't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect either, but I did a score. It's yeah. It's it's a game that I wish Rutgers would compete. Um, it's a game that I hope Rutgers competes well in. And quite honestly, one of the two most boring looking logos I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> my gosh. Maybe we should do the best logo. Oh my god. This is the like best of everything. It's like you're the Scarlet Knights. I mean, I could have picked a better logo if you wanted me to. Well, no, I mean, that's their main logo. It's on their field, both of them. So, I mean, and then you got the M for Michigan. Good Lord. Come on. Your your mascot's a Wolverine. It's a freaking, you know, aggressive animal. Pick a good logo for once. Um, (laughs) But, no, I I, I think Michigan will win this game. I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game in this one. Uh, I hope Rutgers plays well. Uh, and I hope that they put up a fight because it'll look good in the Big Ten for them. But uh, ultimately, uh, Michigan will win this game. I'm going to go 31-14 in this one, Michigan. All right. All right, let's go on to the next matchup in the Big 12. Uh, uh, Like we said, this is a big matchup. Uh, Baylor's uh, right now the only team that's 1-0 in the Big 12. This is going to be Iowa State's first Big 12 matchup. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of points in this one. Uh, I think that Iowa State is going to find their groove on offense, and Baylor is just going to continue what they've been doing uh, the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I know you have uh, Baylor uh, in the Big 12 championship. I have Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. But I actually have Baylor winning this matchup. I think uh, this is a tough uh, road trip. It's not easy playing at, at Baylor's uh, home stadium. Got a really underrated atmosphere, and it's a really beautiful stadium. It's right along the river. I think it's one of the one of the best and underrated atmospheres uh, in college football. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a back and forth battle between these two teams. But I think Baylor's defense will get a turnover, costly turnover uh, by uh, Brock Purdy. So I have Baylor winning this one. Uh, I'll say uh, thirty-eight to thirty-four. Yeah, I, I expect this to be a close game, um, a high-scoring game as well. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think, will show up in this one after a bounce back against Iowa. Um, I, I think that Baylor's defense is really too aggressive for Iowa State to to compete with them. So I, I expect. Baylor to win this football game. Um, I'm going to go with the final of 35-31. Okay. And then now moving on to our last game in week four. It's going to be an ACC matchup between two teams that ultimately this might decide the division for the ACC. And that is number nine Clemson goes on the road to face NC State. Uh, That is North Carolina State, uh, for those who do not know. But uh, this game, I think, is a game of can NC State's defense stop the Clemson offense and get some pressure on that offensive line and quarterback. Uh, If they do that, I think they stay in this game. After watching Georgia Tech uh, put up a fight against Clemson last week, I think the door is open now for teams in the ACC, and I think that they saw that Clemson's a vulnerable football team. 
and, and I think that they're a team that can be beat this year. So uh, obviously they have been once, but but by a very good Georgia football team. So I expect this game to be very close, uh, but I do think Clemson does win this game by a touchdown. I will say that this game is going to be a somewhat higher scoring game in the ACC. I'm going to go 38-24 in this one. Yeah, I definitely think that this might be a close game, but I'm just not. I'm just not uh, on the same agreement here. I mean, I picked uh, a couple of weeks ago. Whenever uh, NC State traveled to Starkville, uh, I picked NC State uh, to go on the road and beat Mississippi State. But they just—that was probably their worst game of the season. You know, I was really high on them after that South Florida win. But maybe South Florida just not that good this year. I think after. Uh, you know, that game against Georgia Tech, only winning 14-8. I think Clemson's going to be uh, really motivated uh, to put on a show in here and show that they're not going to give the ACC title away quite yet. I think that NC State is going to score, but I think that uh, Clemson's defense uh, is really going to stuff that NC State uh, offense. I don't think this one's going to be close, uh, as, as you predicted. I'm going to go Clemson uh, 38, NC State 17. Yeah, so some close scores uh, throughout throughout week four mm-hmm. here, and some some scores that are pretty spread out apart here. Um, so that uh, that'll wrap up week four there, and that'll wrap up our show tonight from the College Football Coast to Coast show. Uh, if you are on Twitch, you can see our social media on the page as of right now. Um, if you are listening to us on any other provider, uh, you will see that in our description as well. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and of course our Twitch um, at call it CFB underscore coast to coast. That is CFB underscore coast to coast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We uh, should have an episode again real soon. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, maybe a little bonus episode this week. So uh, stay tuned for that. And that'll be it for the show tonight. Uh, thank you, Tyler, for joining me once again. Yep. Always a pleasure. And we will catch you guys next time. Thank you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 